Hello and welcome to Two Fat Expats. My name is Kirsty Rice and I've been on the move for over 20 years. My podcast partner in crime is fellow Aussie Nikki Moffat. Say hello, Nikki. Hello. And between us, are you ready? We've lived in Indonesia, Malaysia, Libya, Hong Kong, South Africa, Canada, US, Qatar, Germany, and Denmark. Uh, I've given birth in four different countries, haphazardly leaving placentas wherever I go. And Nikki's run marathons in New York, climbed mountains in Killy, and successfully avoided the PTA until very recently. Now, we don't consider ourselves to be experts in the land of expat, which is why we continue to get lost and stuff it up. But that's why we're here and that's why we started this podcast, because we know how important important it is to have your tribe while you travel. And we hope that our weekly chats with expats from around the world will help you feel right at home. If you're new here, come on over and join our Facebook group. We have over 30,000 members. I think it's 36,000 members now in the Fatterati. And it's the place to find out everything you need to know about your next expat move. Okay, Nikki Moffat, usually you're in Copenhagen, but today you are not. How are you? Where are you? Hello, Cassie Rice. Today I'm on the Gold Coast and I am in my post-COVID recovery mode. Oh, you sound terrible. <laughs> we had the whole podcast where I talked so cheerily about how we just have to accept that we might get COVID when we're traveling this summer and how we should all just <laughs> suck it up. Well, that was all very well and good. I wanted to punch myself in the face thinking back on that when I was mid-COVID and I was not wanting to suck it up at all. So just a shout out to everybody who has been traveling this Northern Hemisphere summer and has succumbed to COVID. I was given to, given it by a relative. I, I highly recommend not knowing where you got it and because <laughs> if you can blame someone that you know in your life, it's a little bit more distressing. So really being sick not having your own things around you, not being in your own bed, not having your own stuff. It's grim, 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 grim. Oh, I know. And did all because you are currently doing the, you know, hotel slash, well, it's not a hotel, it's like an apartment accommodation, isn't it? With husband and daughter. So did all three of you have COVID at the same time? We did, and I I was struggling to see whether that was better than having us all go down one week after the other. What happened was we spent um, a rainy week in Sydney and then went for uh, a weekend with um, my cousin down the coast, and we it was a pretty rainy and cool weekend, so we sat inside a lot and had the heating on and and cosy and drank cups of tea and had a lovely catch-up. And then on Sunday night... Uh, they went home and she messaged me to say, oh, I've just done a test. I'm really sorry. <laughs> I've got COVID. Shortly thereafter, my daughter and I both tested positive as well. Uh, we were just in a tiny little apartment. We had, you know, sharing a bathroom, two bedrooms, but it was all very small and close. And, you know, it was one of those places where there was built for three people. So it had three knives, three forks, all that kind of stuff. So oh, yeah. it just, it was never a chance. We were never a chance. I, I maintain that had we been at home in Copenhagen where we had our apartment, which is not palatial, but it's certainly bigger than what we had, where, where he could have had his own bedroom and bathroom and stayed separate from us. My daughter and I might have maintained our 
COVID record, but unfortunately we all succumbed at once. Luckily within a day of each other. So we just had the sort of the seven day rule in Australia and then we were able to get out and about, but it's just, it's lingering and uh, it's lingering with me, not so much, but with my husband, it's lingering quite significantly. And, um, you know, it's not, it's not pretty, it's not fun. Well, you never know. You might be able to test out that Copenhagen theory when you get home and winter comes because you're bound to all get it again. No, no, no. Don't say that. I've just, my brother-in-law has just got it for the second time and a completely different kind of COVID this time around than the first time he got it. And so I guess that's that's the bit that comes next, isn't it, is that we just keep on vaccinating and keep on keeping on. Yeah. Well, it's interesting because we all had it, but it manifested very differently in the three of us. Yes. Uh, so that was quite interesting to also see that we all had different symptoms in a way. Mm. Um, interesting times indeed. Anyway, oh, we're on the other side, as with, I like to say. With the risk of uh, talking about covid for another three years, like it feels yeah. like we have been. Let's move on. So, Nikki, we always play Would You, Could You at uh, this time of the podcast. I'm going to kick off with my Would You, Could You because I thought I saw this in the Two Fat Expats group and I thought, oh, maybe things have changed since I tried to do this. So I wanted to ask you what, what has been your experience. Would you, could you have online shopping sent to your transit hotel room now what do you mean by transit hotel room do you mean like in an airport or so it could be both so the question that was asked on uh in the uh facebook group for the two fat expats facebook group was it was uh effectively a transit hotel room because it was lax but it was you know when you go to lax there's a gazillion hotel rooms or hotels that are sort of across the road and whatever, and they call them transit. So, but I guess mostly if you were saying Qatar in a transit hotel, you'd be in the, in the airport. But this person was saying uh, about getting stuff sent that they'd already organized to have stuff sent to their hotel. And someone else have said, oh, I've tried this before and I wasn't allowed to. So I'm interested to see that some hotels do let you. And then sort of the conversation was, oh, yes, that many hotels do charge to receive packages. And I guess, you know, the common sense thing is to ring and check first. But I just wondered, what was your experience with that? Well, I've never had it, but it's a great idea, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, (laughs) Uh, Because, I mean, I have before when my husband's been traveling, say, in the States, and I've ordered stuff from, say, that I know, you know, some staples from Old Navy or something, and I've had them delivered to a hotel that he's been staying at as a package. I love my Old Navy jeans. But so I have done that before, but I haven't done like a transit as in when I'm moving, yes. uh, physically moving, so a short time slot. So I've done it like a when I know that I ordered enough time in advance and, and it was going to have enough time to land and then be picked up. But I do remember trying this in the past and it, and I, it was particularly when I lived in countries, you know, like Libya or <laughs> wherever and, and you'd think, gosh, well, I'm going to fly to Malta and I'll, you know, I'm going to, grab a whole heap of stuff and get it sent there and then I can, you know, bring it home with me. 
And and I can remember there were hotels that just said, no, 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 we, we don't accept, you know, packages for our hotel guests, you know, and they, they'll give you every reason under the sun of security or whatever. But, of course, that was quite some time ago. So I was thinking, <laughs> well, is it now that we've all got so used to online shopping and deliveries and Amazon and that they do feel quite comfortable that they would say, okay, well, we'll accept something from Amazon because we know that that's reliable um, or whatever. So I just wanted to get a feel for it. And I guess I would say to people, anyone who's listening to this, I mean, the whole reason we have these conversations is because people might be out there going, oh, I've never thought about that or I I have the answer to that or whatever. I guess the thing is, is don't take it for granted that it is going to happen. Maybe think about that you might get charged to receive those packages. Yeah, which in in so many cases is so worth it. Yes, totally, (laughs) particularly if you live in Libya and you want your old navy jeans. But always ring to check first. So that was my would you, could you. What is your would you, could you? Okay, so my would you, could you is also from the group and it's it's a little bit relevant because we're now in sort of one of the main travel seasons of the year. But it was would you, could you come to amicable agreement with your spouse from another country about visits home. For example, you are married and you live in your spouse's home country. So you might be what's called, we call a love pat. And you want to spend your holidays visiting your family on the other side of the world, that which is expensive and far, and it's not worth going for five minutes. As we know, if you live in Australia, you don't want to go to Europe for five minutes or or five days, you want to really take a good chunk. So the question was asked in the group, how to get to your partner to understand how important it is for you to see your family, whether they come to visit or we go home. He says he totally understands it, but then complains about using most of our annual leave. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and it said, you only get four weeks in Australia. So you know immediately that it's a European that's written that and not an American because they usually get less than four weeks. Uh, and just to say, I always make sure we have a stopover in Singapore or in Europe somewhere, so he feels like he gets a bit of a holiday because being in my home country doesn't count. This is an ongoing debate between me and my husband. We never seem to see eye to eye on the whole issue of family staying with us when we go or with us staying with them when we're home. I just get so frustrated because I feel like I sacrifice and adapt so much living in Australia, which I'm happy to do, but I would expect a bit of flexibility when it comes to visiting family here or there. What arrangements do you have with your spouses or how do you overcome this issue? So I, I thought it's it's very significant issue and it impacts a lot of people. Yes. Um, and what did the group tell her? Well, the group the group was saying she was, she was on the right track and doing the right things by having the stopover. So, uh, you know, as I mentioned, if you're travelling to Australia, from Australia to somewhere in Europe or North America, like it's very far, you have – particularly traveling with children of any kind, you have time adjustments and so you'll have your jet lag and your travel days and everything. And so it's quite an exhausting trip as well. So you don't want to go for a small amount of time. So they were saying breaking up the trip by having a little holiday on the way there or on the way back, often on the way back because after you've left family, you feel like you want to have a little bit of a break before you get home. Um, And so another group of people, uh, quite a significant group, said they often go and take their children alone without their partner so Mm -hmm. that they will go for a significant period of time. That's not always possible when both partners are working full time or they can't they can't do that but obviously for a large group that is possible and that is a that is a good alternative i mean we've talked before we had a, a question about you know 
do you go by yourself or do you take your kids or do you all go together and how does that work? But yes, the, just the, the doing funds and then perhaps having a break while you're there. So while you're on a trip to home or your partner's home, that you have a break as a family, as a group away from the people that you're visiting or the families that you're visiting. I'm going to say something really out of line here, but this is the whole reason why I tell my children, try and marry someone who's from the same country as you <laughs> because I have <laughs> Oh, seen... people everywhere are screaming, screaming, Kirsty. You yeah. can't help love. Come you on. Can't, you can't <laughs> help love, but I tell you what, after 10 years down the track, logistics help (laughs) but I've said to the kids you know I've just had so many friends who have been you know it's been really hard for them it's Um, very difficult and I think it adds an extra layer to anyone's relationship yes I mean they have they have um cultural differences cultural backgrounds you don't have the same touchstones and 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 Mm. touch points yeah and you have this pull and push of what you want to do and when you go there and particularly if you are a love pat and you live in your partner's home country so it might be a guy living in a you know it doesn't matter who it is but you're living in your partner's home country so you feel they've got an unfair home advantage year round yes and all you're looking for is for them to give you a little bit of leeway and let you do your own thing but for them they don't feel like they've got a home advantage or they might acknowledge it, but then they still want to be able to have a holiday that they want to have. Yes. And, you know, families become trickier Yes, as time goes on. And th- there was 88 answers to that question in the group. So I yeah. can we can put the link in the show notes and people who, who have this issue can go and read the answers because there, were a lot of, there was a lot of good information and it, it is a real thing. It is yeah, a real look, issue. I, I didn't see the original post, but for me, if I was going to break it down, I would say it is a real ages and stages question. Yes. Because when you're at the, all right, so let's say I marry some hunky Danish man. I've got, I've got a picture <laughs> of him in my mind, Nikki. <laughs> okay. <laughs> he plays tennis, he's blonde, he's blue eyed. He's, anyway, so I digress. And then I imagine at the beginning of my relationship, when I have had a very adult conversation with him about how it's going to work, because that's what you would do shortly, you would say, gee whiz, if we're going, if I'm going to come and live with you in Denmark forever and ever, I would hope that you would uh, be um, uh, forthcoming or like you would be quite malleable with me going home X amount of times, I'd say you have to get those things sorted in your head. There has to be an agreement um, because that, yeah, that that has to be clear before you've decided and your long-term strategy. But I also think that in the beginning of that relationship, perhaps when I was um, heady in love and whatever, I would want them to come home with me and I would want them to meet all of my people. I would want them to be with me 24-7 and experience all those wonderful things with me. That's what I would want. And then when I had small children, I would want them to help me on the plane and I would want them (laughs) to have a family holiday with me with my small children. But if you were to fast forward a little bit of time, I think maybe I would be quite happy to say, well, look, you stay here. I'm going to go because I'm really going to spend a lot of time sitting in my mum's lounge room. Having talking, cups of tea and talking about the neighbours and, yes. and things that happened 40 years ago. Yeah, Yes. And 
it's going to bore you senseless and I might have a weekend away with my girlfriends. You know, I, I, I will hit that stage of my life. So it very, it will very much be ages and stages, but I'd say get it sorted before you, before you enter into that long-term transaction. There has to be something really clear. Yeah. And it's just, I think it's like, like all of the things, if you're, talking about how you're going to manage your money, where you want to live, or if you're an international couple, it mm. just it needs to be included in that conversation, in that checklist. Yeah. We so could, what's, have- what's the negotiation? It's like a prenuptial agreement. Yeah. How many, you know, months a year are we going to spend with my parents? You know, are my children? Because it's a very real thing and, and I am feeling it so much now that my, my, my children's grandparents – my mum was very close to them. She always travelled to see us and spend a lot of time with us. But my other children's grandparents haven't always done that. And as a result, my children are nearly adults and their grandparents don't know them as well as I would have liked them right. to know them. Yeah. And I mean, my husband and I are from the same country. <laughs> We've yeah. always come, come back together. So I can only imagine that it is more difficult if we were from different countries and we had competing sets of grandparents on different sides of the globe mm. that we were trying to expose our children to oh, yeah. um, from that yeah. point of view. You know, I as think, it is, it's different yeah. states in Australia, but, it, I mean, that's that's nothing. Once you come all the way here, you might as well get on a plane somewhere else. <laughs> yeah, true, true. Okay, Nikki, three favourite things. So I'll kick off with um, mine. I am so late to this party, but I'm, I will say I did try it originally when it originally oh, happened. Oh, same. And could not do it. And that Me is, too. That is Peaky Blinders. We got into it. I'm now, we've now finished season two, up into season three. Absolutely loving it. Really, really, really enjoying it. So good to find a series that's finished or many seasons in because yes. you can really do the binge. Yeah. And you know, and people can say, Oh, stick with it, it gets better after the second half of the season or something, and you can believe them. Yes. And um I too have tried Peaky Blinders a long time ago and I didn't get into it. But now you've said it. Go back. Go I'm back. I'm willing to reconsider. Okay, the lead character in Piggy Blinders is a, a, the character's name is Thomas Shelby, but the actor's name is Killian Murphy. And oh my goodness, Nikki, oh my goodness, those blue eyes, um, <laughs> they are something. I, I find myself completely drawn into just his character. Uh, Sam Neill is also um, in Piggy Blinders. Oh, which wow. Surprised okay. me, plays an Irishman. Um, with an incredible Irish accent. Um, so rolling on to my second favourite thing, which Sam Neill is also in, and he's completely different. Don't you love that when you're in the middle of two yeah. series and same actor and they can they can convince you that they are these yes. two completely different He's people. an amazing character actor. Yeah. yeah, and he's a bit of a um, middle-aged woman heartthrob too, isn't yes. he? Yes. Yeah. Yes. Um, okay, so... Uh, Peaky Blinders, I would say to anyone else who's given it a try, jump in and try it again. And um, uh, it it is one of those ones where, uh, it, from what I've seen from season one and season two, you kind of know 
that there is going to be a moment of a grand finale, like they work you towards that through the season. So you're waiting, you know, season two, I'm not spoiling anything by saying you just know something's going to go down at the horse race. So you're spending the whole time thinking, what has he got planned? What's going to happen at the horse race? And it does not disappoint. Like you, you then, you know, you're all, you're all looking at each other going, oh, Oh, my gosh. Yes. Anyway, that's Peaky Blinders. But the second one that I'm loving is a series called The Twelve. And The Twelve is on Foxtel in Australia. It's an Aussie series. It's um, And I, I don't know if there's been a premise of this in a series before because it's very clever. I, I, there must have been another one like this because it's a, it's a great way to tell a story. So it's about 12 jurors who are part of a court case and it's quite a sensational court case. Um, and so you're not only hearing about the court case, which is a murder trial, but you're also seeing the backstory to every single person on the jury and seeing what is happening in their life that may cause them to have a difference of opinion in the actual case so you're seeing their sort of story um and what's happening in their life and then thinking wow you really shouldn't be on this jury or I can see exactly where you're going to head with your Mm. thought because this is what's happening in your personal life and it really you know it gives you that insight into uh you know, when when people are picking the jury and, and why they make decisions about picking the jury, but just how complicated someone's life can be at home as they're driving in each day to uh, then sit yep. down and, and watch a case. It is It has a brilliant Australian cast. So Sam Neill plays one of the lawyers. Kate Mulvaney is the suspect. Marta Dusseldorp, who's – she's she's in a lot of um, – lawyer type roles right, I think she yep. was Janet King in a in a different series that okay. was on the ABC Brooke Satchwell's in it um and Brendan Cow he was in Love My Way he was kind of the wayward brother in Love My Way I really like him um anyway great cast great story really um diverse group of people you get a real a really accurate picture of Australia I think in the diversity of the cast um, mm. and it's a good story and definitely passes the Bechtel test there's a lot of women in this right. story as well yep. so it's good and Nikki I have been meaning to tell you about this for weeks and weeks and weeks and I haven't my third favorite thing is not my barking labradoodle that you might be <laughs> able to hear in the background so my third favorite thing is I went through a real health thing at the beginning of this year where I finally bit the bullet where I'd um, been putting on weight, I slept really badly, I had high blood pressure, you know, I felt like I was tired all the time and it was like, you know, I'm going to get to the bottom of this because it's a real, you know, looking after your health, this is the most obvious statement anyone can make, but it's so time consuming (laughs) if you want to A, look after yourself, but B, go and find out what exactly is wrong with you. You have to go to the GP and go to several specialists and do a lot of tests and do those tests again and then do something else and do them again. And I really invested the time in myself to do it, um, which is very hard when you're an expat too and you're travelling between two two countries. countries. And so I did the full works. I went to the GP. I went off and saw the heart specialist. I went to a sleep specialist. I went to an ENT. 
I went to a nutritionist. I went absolutely everywhere to find out what was wrong with me. And the main thing was I just kept thinking, you know, I eat quite well and I exercise, but I'm not losing any weight and I have high blood pressure and I don't know why I would have high blood pressure. Anyway, it turns out I had sleep apnea. And sleep apnea is one of those things you're not quite sure what came first with the chicken or the egg. Like you're not sure whether you put on weight and then develop sleep apnea or you uh, had sleep apnea, which made you put on weight. But the three main causes that happen to you when you have sleep apnea is you have high blood pressure. You cannot lose weight when you have sleep apnea. I had no idea of this, but the hormonal imbalance that comes from poor sleep makes weight loss pretty much impossible. And on top of that, if you are sleep deprived, you tend to choose foods that are really high in carbohydrates because you're trying to give yourself that boost all the time. And poor sleep is kind of associated with increased oxidative stress, which is that whole glucose intolerance and insulin resistance. So there is full research that shows you that when people who are dieting cut back on sleep over a 14 day period, that the amount of weight weight that they lose is sort of 55% less than if they were having that extra bit of sleep. Anyway, so I kind of got on this this bandwagon in about March. I think it was that first trip when I went back to Qatar, like before I Mm -hmm. thought, right, I'm going to get this sort of before I go. And I went and did the sleep test, found out that I basically suffocated, stopped breathing 27 times an hour. (laughs) Sorry, I'm not laughing. I laugh, laugh, (laughs) because I just about died when he told me. It was like, but how? And how How had my husband not realised that this was happening? Yes, so that's what yeah. I want to know. Like and that's that's what I want to know because my husband and I both have different sleep habits in the evening and I'm just I'm thinking, oh, this all sounds very familiar. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so he, he would probably get to sleep sort of before me. So I guess he probably missed that bit. But he'd wake up and hear me snoring, but he didn't realise I was actually s- stopping breathing. breathing. Okay, so I went and got the s- CPAP machine. For all of you, because I did put something in the um, Fatarati, in the Two Fat Expats Facebook group to say, does anyone travel with a CPAP? What do you do? How do you do it? Blah, blah, blah. And before I had discovered the CPAP, I had thought it would be this noisy, cumbersome, highly unattractive, very unsexy machine. Now, It is not sexy, I can tell you that for sure, (laughs) but it's also very little and it uh, is very easy and it will change your life. So I travel with mine now. I travelled back to Qatar with it the last trip I went. CPAP machines don't get classed in your overhead uh, baggage. When you arrive, you say to them, this is my CPAP machine and they say, okay, that doesn't go in your weight. You're allowed to take it onto the plane. There's no, there's, there's nothing, you know, you're not sort of selling yourself short in any way. But now with how CPAP machines, they're all, um, you know, Bluetooth with apps on your phone and whatever. And so you wake up in the morning and the first thing you check is, okay, how did I sleep? Let me know how I slept. And you find out that you slept for seven hours and that, you know, you only woke up you know, three times and, um, you know, not that you knew you woke up or that you yeah. had sort of those breathing things. So I have lost since March 10 kilos. Wow. Yes. 
since so, you got your CPAP machine. Yes. And you haven't changed anything except having a CPAP machine. Oh, no, I have changed because I've found I now have the energy and I find it much easier, you know, to do yep. those things. So I'm back, you know, Nikki, I've always been big on the whole intermittent fasting yep. thing. And so I'm back on the intermittent fasting train. Um, but, yeah, I've still, I've had, I have had many large evenings and many lovely dinners <laughs> and all of those things. But it is just now so much easier to get into the walking and the swimming and the gym and the you know pilates and the whatever when you're having a decent night's sleep yeah. it is so life is so much more pleasant so if you are out there at the moment and you're living in some weird country where you don't obviously get to the doctor very often i implore you to please go and schedule in a sleep test if you can somewhere on your next trip home or your next holiday to wherever you could do that because the high blood pressure bit is really really dangerous and my blood pressure has just gone back to normal now because i don't have that stress you know where it's like someone was choking me 20 seven times an hour so yes it's amazing how you can suddenly control your blood pressure and everything else when you're getting a decent night's sleep so that's my favorite thing so nikki i've spoken for way too long once again tell me about your three favorite things well when you have covid kirstie you can watch a lot of tv (laughs) (laughs) provided your internet connection is good and you have the right headphones so i've got a long list of many many things i could comment on here I wanted to say one thing that I did send to you before I think I got COVID was a show on Stan. It's on Stan in Australia called The Undeclared War. It's a BBC show. I haven't watched it yet. Yeah, I think it's about a six-part series and it is scary as shit and it basically it's a bbc series so it's done brilliantly obviously. so it's kind of like years and years where well, that is scary it, it is like years and years except it's much more realistic and by the time you get to the oh. end of it you can't understand whether you've actually watched a propaganda exercise or whether you've watched a tv show or what's actually happened wow because it goes into um it it just well, it, it sort of does have that feel good thing where at the end of the day the good guys in inverted commas win and they win because someone on the bad guys you know takes a risk to clue them in on what's happening etc cetera, etc cetera. right but basically it it starts with a blackout of a um of a telco in the UK and it sort of goes down and it's it's it's, it's a cyber attack and then it's all the things that come out of that and the um you know the mi5 and the, all the services look into it and basically the world gets to the edge of a war because of one cyber attack and then sort of the misinformation and the twitter farms and the everything 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 so wow. all the things you know that exist in the world they put it into context in such a way that is terrifyingly frightening and um you just you believe it could happen tomorrow. And I, I just, you know, the way the BBC do things, it's just so good. You're on the edge of the seat the whole time, but they put in a bit of a story so that as well, you know, the, the characters all grow in their roles. It's not just the story itself. is It's also character-driven. So anyway, I really enjoy it. I highly recommend. 
Oh, good. That, um, I'm gonna, I'll watch that. Could I watch that with my 16-year-old? Yes, he, he would like it. All yes. right, we'll do that this weekend. Um, I, another thing that I watched when I was in my uh, COVID phase and I've, I've kept watching since is Loot, which is on Apple TV Plus or Apple yes, TV. Yes, I've um, heard mixed reviews about Loot. Yeah, so I, I heard someone talk about this today and it's why I decided to include it. Someone said it's one of those ones if you're a little bit sick and you just want to watch something that's easy to watch, it's right. it's one of those you can just watch it and enjoy it. It's not, yeah. you know, it doesn't have to be perfect because it's just oh, it's good enough. Yeah. Um, it's Maya... Maya Rudolph. Oh yeah, from Bridesmaids. And, yes, uh, and yes, Night Live. Yeah, yes. yeah, yeah, she's good. And she's basically playing the role of Melinda Gates. So she's oh. a, she's a billionaireess. Right. She becomes a billionaire. I mean, she's not playing the role of Melinda Gates, but she's a billionaireess who uh, gets divorced from her husband, discovers her husband is cheating, walks out on him, and but has lived this very. Um, rock star party lifestyle etc etc and then decides you know she has to find meaning in her life and and then she goes about it and it's you know it's about like oh finding reality and all that kind of stuff yeah um so it you might have heard the mixed reviews because it is nonsensical and ridiculous because it is about a billionaire and she lives in this amazing house and she's always on a private jet and blah 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 blah. but it also you know, it's funny. You know, she's from Bridesmaids. She's involved in it. She's the executive producer. I think she's one of the executive producers. And it's just, it's it's worth it if you like, you're looking for something to watch with a friend or by yourself and you're just feeling just, you just want to lie in your bed and kick back and relax. Obviously, you might not feel that, that way anymore because of the CPAP machines. It's just got you <laughs> bouncing around all the time, in which case I direct you to the undeclared warm. Or, but loose right. is, is one of those, yeah, no, I'm just looking for something. And so, you know, something I am, I am the king, easy. I am the queen yeah. of, of that kind of TV. So yeah. I thought I'd put it in there. The third That's thing. Third thing is a podcast that I listened to this week. It's by Jesse Stevens, who wrote a book, a very popular current Australian book called Heartsick, yes. which I have not read. Yes. But all the reviews are amazing and she's been called the next big thing. Jesse yep. Stevens is, of course, the next big thing in Australia. She appears on TV here on the project. She has a couple of podcasts. Anyway, she dropped in her personal Instagram feed this link to a podcast. She's doing a mini series and it's in something, a podcast called The Relationship Doctor, which is a an American podcast about relationships. And so I went and looked at the podcast oh. and it, the last episode was about ethical monogamy, um, ethical poly, polyamory, 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 when you're not monogamous. Log- <laughs> Polygamy. Is Polygamy. Polygamy. <laughs> The last episode was about ethical polygamy. <laughs> Goodness me. I was thinking polyamory. Anyway. Yeah. Anyway. And so, but nothing yes, to do with this. You're polyamorous. Yes, that's right. Polygamous. Polygamous. Yes. yes. Anyway, ethical polygamy. Yeah. And anyway, but she has dropped a, apparently a three, it's going to be a three pod mini series into the feed of this relationship doctor. And she, she just reads her own writing. And so the book Heartsick is about, it's based on three true stories um, it's a non-fiction narrative account of the many lows and hu- occasional surprising highs of heartbreak. And she said since she's written the book, many, many people have come to her with many, many more stories. And I assume ah. what she's done is she's then taken some of these new stories and written them. Yes. So this is like a 15-minute podcast of her own writing. 
Yes. And it is fantastic. I listened to it yesterday oh. and then I listened to it again this morning. And it's just 15 minutes. It's really quick and easy. And I just really wonder, I don't know anything about the Relationship Doctor podcast, but it's totally American-based and then it's got this Jesse Stevens Australian voice just dropping in the middle of, of this little mini series. I'm interested to see how that all works out. Yeah. for the whole thing but I would recommend anyone to listen to it because I really I was just enthralled and I've listened to it twice because there were things oh, I was wow. like did I did that work or did it not so it's like she's reading I haven't read the book but it's like she's reading a chapter of her book that's right. what I imagine it to be yeah and she tells the story of someone's heartbreak but all the twists and the things that are in it you just you like at the end you're like oh wow that's so much like you just feel all these emotions and and uh yeah no it, it was really worthwhile I, I don't know whether I'm coming off a COVID emotive issue oh, there, but. <laughs> but it sounds like you would love to listen to her to listen to Heartsick more so than so read it I might now listen to Heartsick and I don't yeah. know if that's what it's encouraging me to do but um Brilliant. so she's going to have three of those but yeah so that's my three Kirsty and that's us for this week and uh yeah, we finally got to talk. We've had some ups and downs and some COVID in the middle. Yes. And uh, you've and got... some holidays and some, and some lovely holidays. holidays. That's right. Um, I've just had a lovely three weeks with my family and that we were all together. I actually put a picture on Instagram last night because I always forget to take photos. You think I would have learnt by now. Um, you know, Craig and I went to this fabulous party last Saturday night. We were all dressed up. You know, we did the hotel room, the whole thing. I don't think I took one photo. Not and even a selfie no, on the lift. <laughs> I never do selfies. Like I never do them. I envy people that are big selfie takers. But I'm oh, I hate other people's photos of me, so I, I'm always doing it myself. <laughs> um, Nikki, our 200th episode is coming up and I think we asked people last time too that if they'd like to send us a message about uh, what they were doing when the podcast first started. So that was back in February 2015. So we would love it if you could send us a message. Um, you can do that on twofatexpats.com uh, by just leaving a little voice message when you go to our website or you can just shoot us something via the socials, whether it be Instagram or Facebook or however you want to do it. But we'd love to hear about your, uh, I hate this word, but journey with <laughs> Two Fat Expats. Uh, how long you've been listening where do you listen how do you listen when did you when did you find it how did you find it you know what does the group do for you etc um but yeah 200 coming up soon I believe okay and we'll put the little reminders on Instagram the new Instagram you just have to read the stories don't worry about the feed <laughs> <laughs> okay all right speak to you later bye bye